What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Lucky Leo in the house. Howdy. And just Jen. Just Jen. There's no one else here today. Ryan abandoned us. Ryan is moving. He doesn't like remakes, and he, he refused <laughs> to be <laughs> on this. He refused to be on this episode because he says, fuck every remake ever made. I refuse to contribute unless it's reboot. I don't care. <laughs> uh, no, he, like Jen said, Ryan is moving. So he will be back next week. Ryan will miss you. I have your list and I will. I get I get to critique it, which is always fun. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, we're breaking down our top 10 remakes better than the originals and our top 10 worst remakes of all time as well. So I will get us started with the news of the week uh a little bit going on this week the big news for the oscar snob is that the academy sets the best picture nominees to a guaranteed 10 starting with the 94th academy awards that means from now on after next year there will be guaranteed 10 no matter if it's a big set of films in contention or garbage so i think this is good news some people don't like it because we will have a blind side getting a best picture nom and we will get a extremely what is it extremely loud and incredibly close getting a best picture nom was that nominated it was nominated for best Before? picture yes the so, book is great the movie not so much so yeah so we're going to get guaranteed 10 now last year would have worked because knives out would have gotten in and that would have been the 10th so some, but do you go ahead think so we have these 10 like shouldn't we by association have 10 best picture nominees but also 10 best directors no, no. why not no leo help if me out movie here is good enough to be nominated for best picture why can't we have best director it's more I, competition i will counter with there has been many times that someone's been nominated for director and not picture yes most but because recent, there were fewer pictures no no it was 10 most re- or it was preferential ballot a few years ago fox catcher you don't like the movie i do but Bennett Miller was nominated for director, but the movie did not get in for picture. So it works both ways. Leo, thoughts? Uh, to be fair, actually, I'm not a fan of the expanding to uh, to ten nominees. Um, I I was I was off the line. I was talking to uh, to a, um, a fan of the show, um, and we were discussing the whole fact that this kind of feels like a, a cheap way to get in um, more. Female, uh, no, I guess more female nominees, more minority nominees, rather than based on their merit. It feels like regardless of how many movies are nominated, you're gonna get probably at least one and one to satisfy that need. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels cheap to me. I don't like it. It feels like a participation trophy rather than like if this movie is worthy of contention, put it in. So um, my counter for that is when the Dark Knight rule be- was put into place. The year right after, I think for two or three years, it was a guaranteed 10. 
So this is not a new rule. This is just something that's being brought back. Yeah. And because of this rule, we got movies like District 9 to get a Best Picture nomination, which is bananas that that movie ever got a Best Picture nomination. Uh, I believe the the year after, Up got a Up or Toy Story 3 got a Best Picture nomination. That wouldn't have happened without 10. So it's a slippery slope. You're 100% right, Leo. I think the next one... One of, or the first time it happens, people are going to look at it as, oh, yep, of course. It's- so don't get me don't get me wrong, because you've actually clarified on on the show too that like this has been something that's been up in the air by the academy for a couple of years now about doing this. I just feel like the timing of the news with what's going on in the current culture, mm-hmm. it makes it feel like this is like a cheap gimmick. But for all intents and purposes, like you're right, this this could be something that was like always in play. That they just wanted to re re uh, I guess reintroduce and it just worked out that it got announced now. And to confirm, up before Jenny goes, up was nominated for best picture as well. So, uh, Toy Story three and up were nominated, I believe, back to back years. So, so this uh, is guaranteed. Guaranteed, 10. there will be ten. There will be Not ten. Up to ten. No, nominees. right now it, it is because before it was up to ten. No, wasn't it? Nope. Like I mentioned before, like I just mentioned, they took it out. No, it, it I was, know that before, before that, it was guaranteed. Then they 10, switched. Then it. they switched it down to whatever. But I thought in the middle of these two rules that I thought it was they could nominate yep. up to ten if they wanted to, but it wasn't guaranteed. Now it's back to guaranteed. Guaranteed. Now it's guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to shit on the garbage that gets nominated for best picture. It's gonna be wonderful. Um, I'm glad that this year we're going to get. I predicted it in February, and we'll get into it in a little bit. A movie directed by a minority, a POC, which is deserving, and it's not going to be flagged by, oh, yeah, it's just getting in because of Yeah. Yeah, so we'll get into that in a little bit. So um, I think this also helps comic book films, because now that it's a guaranteed 10 in a week year, you may see more comic book films get nominated for Best Picture, whether whether they deserve it or not. Uh, I think yeah, Joker, I, I think that's the thing though too. Like whether they deserve it or not is like the key phrase there. I like, think I Joker. Want them to deserve it. <laughs> I think like I think Joker is the last comic book film to get nominated rightfully through the preferential ballot. So, nice. Jen, you're gonna say something. So, do we think we'll see like more horror too? So, The Invisible. Not this Man. year. It doesn't qualify this year. It doesn't qualify year. for ninety fourth or ninety third. Oh. So, um, I do think Invisible Man that's has booty, a good chance. They need movies this year. Well, I do think Invisible Man has a good chance to get in with everything going on. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what ended up happening there. Uh, next bit of news is more movie changes. Tenet is moving two weeks to July 31st. Wonder Woman moves from August 14th to October 2nd. The Matrix Balls. moves from 2021 to 2022. Godzilla moves from November, I believe, 2020 to 2021. I think July, May, May or July 2021. May. May. So Warner Brothers moved a lot just to get Tenet alone in July and August and September to make all that money. Well, I think they've been all looking at whether people are i mean i don't know if you've gotten it but i've gotten a few different surveys like when would you be comfortable going back to the movie theaters and so they're doing a lot of these surveys to people to ask because i think that's the thing is that they can have the movie come out july 17th but if the movie theaters aren't ready or they are ready and people aren't comfortable to going like they're just trying to maximize what their box office could be so moving it two weeks helps a lot i think i think if it changes where like amc or all these bigger chains 
can't have everybody up and running by then, I wouldn't be surprised that they wouldn't make a move again because they could probably potentially move that back to August. And maybe that's also why they shifted Wonder Woman so that they could have that as like a backup. That would be my studio plan um, because you just never know what, what could happen. And I'd rather have a, a fail safe because August 14th will put you at another couple weeks. Don't speak that into existence. Um, no, but <laughs> but I mean, right? Like you want to, if it's a great movie, you want to give it the best um, platform that you could give it to give it to the most audiences. And we know that they're not going to put Tenant on video on demand. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, that's funny. We want to make, they want to make sure that people are able to go and actually see it. And being the fact that like, no one's really going to go see that Russell Crowe movie that's supposed to be coming out first. Like everyone's going to go rush. They want people to rush to see this, but to feel safe enough to go back. Yeah. Well, they are. Warner brothers is getting that started in July, mid July, because they are re-releasing Inception for the 10 year anniversary. Yes, I saw that. They they took the spot. The I'm very spot. I'm very tempted to go see it. So tempted. It's so good. But uh this actually makes me wonder if all the rumors that we joked about when we first saw the trailer that Tenet is a sequel to Inception are true. Cuz there's a there's our theories that Arpats is Leo's son and the movie oh, takes place wow. far in the future. So that would be pretty cool if that's the case. Interesting. Wonder Woman moving to October. October's stacked now. So we get we get the, we get to start off the month with uh Wonder Woman and the French Dispatch is dropping in October and then Halloween Kills is dropping in October. So October is pretty stacked. I'm wondering if Disney's going to start making moves. Uh, I know Mulan is still st- there, right? July 24th. July 24th. So it gives it a week to make money, and then Tenet starts making all the money. Well, they're also two different people that are probably going to go watch it. You're going to definitely have more kids watching Mulan. Well, it's PG-13. Well, no, I know. And you're going to have adults taking their kids, too. But it's not going to be like kids going to Tenet. Plus, then, right, you have SpongeBob that has stayed at August so far. So, oh, SpongeBob so will SpongeBob do well. SpongeBob may be oh, wow. the first. Yeah. That might be the That's first, the first real kid, kids kid movie. movie. Yeah, that'll do well. And I think it's in a safe spot right mm-hmm. now. A uh, Candyman is screwed money wise because it's in the middle of September. Quiet Place comes out. Labor Day weekend, and that's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And then the week after Candyman drops, we get Wonder Woman. So Candyman's not going to make any money whatsoever. I would just move it to VOD. My person, my personal two cents. And that was really our last movie, right? Quiet Place. That was the last movie we saw. Quiet Place <laughs> yeah, too. Back Quiet in Place March. <laughs> Back in March. <laughs> we got so lucky to see it. Yeah. One week before everything. No, not even two like, days before everything shut yeah, down. We saw started. Quiet Place too. Which is very good. So when it yeah, hits theaters, it. you and, guys should definitely see it. And the review has been in drafts. Oh yeah, I wrote that review time. in March. I totally forgot I well, wrote that we review. Can't post it yet. So yeah, I, when I, it does, it'll be up fast. Yes, I totally <laughs> forgot I wrote that review. Yeah, still there. Um. So yeah, theaters open soon. Hopefully, everything is successful, and we are back in the movies sooner than later. Uh, next bit of news: Matt Reeves' The Batman trilogy is set to introduce a new Joker. I mean. No one really thought Joaquin was going to be the Joker here, right? No. <laughs> no. no. But okay. this is tough. This is going to be a tough act to follow, yeah. right? So the Batman will introduce him in conversation. He will. So we're not going to get a Joker for maybe three, four years. Like to film two, let's yeah. say. Yeah. He's going to do kind of what the Dark Knight yes! did. Yes. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I wrote in the article too. I mean, I don't like Batman Begins, but I know how it ends. It's okay. <laughs> not, not, every, not everyone has wonderful taste in the bat. Mm. Um. So yeah, Batman Begins sets pretty much. They talk about the Joker at the end of the movie, and it sets up the Dark Knight, and then you know. But do you like him reusing that same trope, that same Christopher Nolan? Well, it's not Christopher Nolan. It's from the books, too. It's from the books, yeah. too. It's from Batman yeah. Year One. Because I feel like, in a way, like, I mean, I'm sure he'll have a unique spin on it enough, but I feel like because we just saw, like, we saw Batman Begins and the ending with the card, and we know, okay, the next movie's going to have Joker and all that, and then this movie is going to introduce him in conversation, and then we'll see him in the second one. I just feel like it's been the same, like... um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just the same trope. Like it's a reboot. Over again. Yeah, I guess it's a reboot, <laughs> right? Um, or the same way we always see like 50 different versions that are exactly the same of his parents dying. And like, I don't, no, you know. We're not going to see and that And we know anymore. the story. We're not going to see that anymore. Thank God. Um, I I like that they're not bringing him right away into the first one because it, you you need to disconnect from what we just saw last year. Um. I, I, of course, the Joker is going to be in this trilogy. I mean, it's, it's, it has to be. If they this said is who's in this first one, the villains, the villain, it's Catwoman, the Penguin, the Riddler, um, and it's going to be an Arkham Asylum. So I think it's just going to be villains sprinkled throughout. Um, and I think the Riddler is the main villain, oh. which is awesome. Which is awesome because I think Paul Dano is going to kill it. Leo, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. Um, I, I think that the way this trilogy is going to be built out is a little different from the Nolan trilogy. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like it's going to be one long, cohesive narrative that's already in play now. Um, so I think the Joker introduction is going to play a little bit differently than it did back with Nolan's Joker. So I'm a little bit more excited to see how this kind of... Because I think we already know what's going to happen in part three. Or Nolan, uh, I'm saying that the the new version probably already knows what's going to happen in part three mm-hmm. because it's part of one long narrative versus Nolan's story, which was kind of three different movies that existed differently from each other. Yep. Um, also, with the, uh, with, with the with this one, I'm also very excited for Riddler to be the lead. Um, and even, you know, I even heard that even in the filming that um, that Penguin is not in the movie that much either. So it's 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 one of those things where I think we're gonna get sprinkles of movie uh, sprinkles of the future in this movie, but that we're not gonna see like the full extent of all the big names until probably the end of the trilogy. And it makes sense for anyone that reads Batman and knows Batman lore. Riddler is one of the most intelligent villains he has. Absolutely. So it makes yeah. sense that he's actually the brains behind the operations in the new movie. So I, I'm digging it. I think they're gonna go young here, right? Because our yeah, yeah, patch yeah. is young Batman, so I think we're gonna have to go young, and I have no idea. I'm not even gonna try because I, it's too early anyway. I have no idea who should play him. No, well, actually, speaking of young Batman or young Bruce, we can't go too young because if we're talking Arkham Asylum, that means he has to have been established long enough to put some of these people That's away. True, that is true. Yeah, good. Point. But uh, so but maybe our, well, I think. We're doing Long Halloween. Yeah, so no, if we do do Long Halloween, he's still established. Yeah, you're, you're right. So I actually don't know. Maybe he's going to sprinkle some stuff from Long Halloween, and then we go we go from there. But yeah, I have no idea who's going to play the, who should play the Joker, and time will tell um, who is cast. I hope I hear Johnny Depp, and I hope that's not I, that's not <laughs> that's not the play. 
<laughs> Shout out to to our boy Kev who loves Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp hasn't been good in about twenty years. So let let's let's not make that happen. Yeah, that's not. That's not I mean, I'm I'm a Depp fan too, but I think that based on the casting decisions that have been made already, I think we can pick someone better. Yep, I agree. All right, next bit of news. Uh, it's a little it's it's a little bit laughable how people have reacted to the news on on ebay but gone with the wind was removed from hbo max citing uh, racist depictions i think i've mentioned it on here that the movie has very racist undertones uh it's still a a very good movie but um yeah it's removed from hbo max i i've read that it's going to be brought back uh just with the note regarding the movie uh what i meant before about it's funny how people are acting Gone with the Wind. I own this uh, 75th anniversary box set, and I got a text from a buddy of mine. He's like, oh, have you seen how much Gone with the Wind is going online? I'm like, what are you talking about? So I look it up, and my box set is going for about $275. And in my head, I'm like, do these people not know it's being brought back? (laughs) So, But in terms of them removing the movie, I get it. But at the same time, it was the movie of the time. Too so it's it's a slippery slope with that. I mean, I've seen it, and I'll, you know, so I think I'm the only one that's seen it on the podcast. It no, you've seen it, Leo? Yeah, but I, I mean, I saw it back in high school though. Like, yeah, it wasn't like, so I, like I didn't for I, enjoyment. I totally see why you know it was removed, but I don't particularly agree that it's going to stay off for too long. But uh, any thoughts, Leo, from what you remember from seeing it? Uh, exactly what you said, pretty much. Like I, I think even you make a you make a point of always identifying the fact that yes, it had racial undertones. Yes, it, it was very it was a very racist um, type movie, but it also resulted in one of the first like um, big black... movies. It's the first. I think it's the one of the first epics in cinema. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I I, uh, I respect it. I think I think everyone's pretty much just trying to err err on the side of caution mm-hmm. when it comes to just sensitivity. And, and being respectful. Um, I do see this not being the f- only movie that gets pulled from a streaming service. I think they'll, they'll probably become a little bit more uh, more common. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, look, history history is riddled with this kind of stuff. So I think we just, we can't be ignorant to it, but uh, just be respectful. Um, I love I love the move by it, and I agree. I think it should be back possibly, like, hopefully before the end of the year. Yeah, I think by the end of the year it'll be back, especially during once award season kicks in it's gonna be it's gonna be on there all right next bit of news is that's it actually just saw my sheet and there's nothing else (laughs) unless you guys want to talk about the batwoman news with greg berlanti the recasting the recasting of not really recasting so they're going to there is a rumor that season two will be based on someone else uh, someone else will be playing batwoman and kate kane is gone with, Which is kind of stupid, I think. Yeah, that because just that was the whole draw this, of this Batwoman. Is, this is AKA we can't find anyone to play you, so we're just gonna make up some bullshit story as to why she's not around. So and very unberlantia. She's pretty much hits home runs every time. So. Like I almost feel like they should just cancel the show. It's not good, so they should and cancel the show. Just like <laughs> cut their losses and then leave. Or like, is there someone? on that show already that like no. could be a lead. No, it's terrible. Leo. But I don't know. No. No. Well, I mean again, I I think I think it's mainly writing that it makes it terrible. I don't I don't know if it's the actors themselves cuz I mean, I, I think the CW has also like identified and and um 
and found some some rising stars. So I give them some props on that. Um, I just think the writing is pretty rough on it, though. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Jenny. I think this should be like just 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 scrap it. Uh, but I think they might just scrap it if they can't save it after the season. Yep, I agree. All right, so that's that wraps up the news. Let's get into our quarantine watches. I will go last. I saw a lot of new stuff this week. So, Leo, you finished The Wire finally, right? Oh, Law, you finished Lost, right? Yeah, I ended up finishing Lost. Uh, I caught up on Stargirl, which I still freaking love. Oh, um, I have to catch up on the last episode, but I am with you. The show is fantastic. Yeah, I think it's still doing a really, really amazing job of blending lightheartedness and family fun with, like, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's doing it really well. Um, I ended up watching 2001 Space Odyssey uh, we'll after into, we'll, <laughs> last week's episode. We'll get into that in a little bit. Luckily, the uh, our fans can also um, rest, rest assured I have not yet caved on Grease 2, but uh, it's coming shortly. Um, and I actually ended up watching the Dave Chappelle special that dropped on YouTube. How that, was that? Uh, 46 it was very it was good it was good it was very different from Chappelle's typical stuff it, it wasn't very um scripted it was um it was filmed like early june of 2020 so like there's still people um that are abiding by the social distancing and masks um but it's it's more like him like venting um it was really really raw really really honest i liked it okay. um and i started watching handmaid's tale which i can genuinely say has been so disappointing um, that I'm, I'm bummed out by it. I'm still on it. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing season three now, but it's not at all what I expected it to be. Oh, so you I'm, don't you don't like it too much? No, no. I got to be honest. I really don't like it that much. Um, I think it's a cool story. And it's a cool, a cool, a cool. Like uh, this is possibly one of the first times I'm gonna say I think I'd rather read the book. <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah. Um, the, after Handmaid's Tale, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna finally watch Grease two for Jenny. And I'm gonna Yay. get started on a uh, Gossip Girl. Woo! Uh, All right, and Jen. Um, I haven't really watched much. Again, I've been playing Animal Crossing. Here's my, <laughs> I think, third week in a row spiel for it. Um, no, I mean, you know, between work and everything else. You did see Speed. Um. Oh yes, we did watch Speed last night. Um, Saturday night. That was our movie. Um, we realized what was the thing that we came across? Construction oh. in 1994 in Los Angeles just seems to not be finished anywhere. Yeah, like they never <laughs> they never completed the freeway. Then all of us, okay, they never completed the freeway, and they never completed the train. Um, the, the train, train track. Track, and then it's just like, and then these cops didn't know because they had like a printed map that was like too futuristic, I guess that it said it was complete and then it wasn't. So actually like I would be curious because our topic of the day is remakes. I would actually be really curious to see what a speed remake would be like now, given all our technology, the fact that like Keanu Reeves doesn't have to hijack someone else's car and his cell phone, because we'll have all these cell phones anyway. Um, The fact that the terror, like terrorists, can just I forgot his name Dennis Hopper. No, Hopper Hopper Dennis Hopper That's that King Dennis Koopa. Hopper could just like call him on his cell phone because more than likely he's this hacker guy and he would know what to do. Um, they would find these police records much faster on a computer rather than digging through old microfilm or whatever they were doing. And there's just so many different things. And then like you would have super bomb experts that were probably better than jeff daniels rest in peace and so like there were just all these things so i would be curious for a speed remake today who would you cast 
Think about that. Emma Stone. No. <laughs> Always Emma Stone. What, I guess. As a Sandra Bullock character? Emma Stone. Um, Ryan Gosling. And mm. who would be the terrorist? Um, I would actually even be curious for a John Wick Keanu. To come back to this. As the villain? No, not as the villain. Oh. He's always been the good guy. But I'm saying like as sort of a, maybe, okay, maybe not a remake, but like a sequel that's better than Speed 2 Cruise Control. And it would just be like Keanu. Because you can't have Sandra Bullock because it doesn't work with the storyline. Um, but like, you know, all the action and everything. I mean, I'm sure he's still up for it. Yeah. So, so I'm with Jenny. Anyway, we saw Speed 2 and I've been watching Virgin River on Netflix. So I'm with Jenny. Speed rules. I'm, I, it sucks that it took me forever to watch it, but I'm so glad and I love it. Uh, what I also say? have another one that I haven't watched, but apparently has been very big on Instagram and trending. And being that this was somewhat the topic last week with sequels or the week before. Yeah. Um, there is supposedly a Polish Fifty Shades of Grey like oh. movie on Netflix trending right now. Probably terrible. It's called oh, three, 365. It's called 365. Yeah, 365 Days, I think, is the full title. But um, supposedly it's a lot. It's like Netflix's first, like, real graphic kind of film. And it's basically this, like, mafia man ends up kidnapping this woman and holding her hostage for 365 days in his, like, uh, mansion or something. Is this a Netflix original or they're just streaming it on there? I'm not sure. Uh, we'd have to Google it. But I heard it was like a Netflix original, right. but like it's Polish. Because if, it, so. it, if it's not an original, they already have the most graphic movie I've ever seen on there. What uh, is Nymph- it? Nymphomaniac. Oh, no. That's it. That's no. That's yeah. not. But that's not a Netflix movie. No, that's why I asked if it was an original. No, I think this is an original. Oh, yeah. yeah then in that case. Google it because you'll see there's tons of articles as of late because it's been trending. Um. So anyway, that's on my watch list. I'm good. Uh, so, <laughs> so speed. Uh, we're not doing a reel of back on here. Age worse. Payphones. Got to say payphones. Oh, payphones. A lot of pay. A lot of payphones in speed. You wouldn't need the cell phones. You would need the cell phones now, like in the remake. Age best. Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, he looks good with Alan Ruck with the gray hair. Yeah. but he was a little annoying. Solid stuff. Solid stuff. No, it, I I love Speed. I did a deep dive on a director yesterday when we were watching. Directed Twister. I've never seen Twister, but that's on the agenda you today. You've never seen Twister? No. Very nineties action. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So good. So I can good. imagine. I can imagine that Twister like Bill having Paxton. like a villainous smile and everything Ellen because Hunt. of how cheesy yeah. it is. Ba- back when we did our uh, our top nineties action flicks, I was so close to putting Twister in there because I remember like after when it came out, everyone of our age bracket that watched it became so obsessed with tornadoes <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say this. Um. That's why I'm surprised you've never seen it, Dave. If Going back to speed, and Jenny explained to me because I've never seen that trash sequel. I one I finished the movie and I'm like, yo, why does she leave Keanu Reeves? They're, this guy like sacrifices basically his life to rescue this chick. Why are they broken up in the sequel? I also said, why where does she, it have to be her fault? Where she dates another cop, Jason Patrick. So I'm like, no, it makes me hate the sequel even I more. I actually forgot why they broke up, but I think, but they explained it in the beginning of the movie. I think it was just like they dated for a few years and they just couldn't, I don't know, make it work. I'd have to rewatch it. I actually want to sit 
find it and so Dave can actually watch it for the first time. No. He can oh, watch, uh, watch his it. boy Willem Dafoe. I'm not going to watch it's it. It's like a quick hour and a half. I it's got, like nothing. No, I don't have time for it's that. Exciting. Um, it's exciting. Good stuff. I also saw the best Star Trek movie outside of Wrath of Khan, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> it's so good it's so good jenny saw it too yeah you i had never really idea. i had always seen like heard about it and seen it in the background and i remember it was probably one of those movies that was also on tv during my cable days mm-hmm. but um i never really stopped to watch it because i just thought it was weird like it just didn't seem you know interesting to me but it was good i liked it yep i'd see and, it again and now we get to the new releases of the week i saw um poor man's harry potter artemis Fowl. Harry Potter. <laughs> it is, it, it's aggressively bad. Wait, Dave, who's the who's? Because funny you mention it, Harry Potter in it. Who's the dude that looks like uh, like Hagrid? Fucking Josh Gad. <laughs> <laughs> and my thing is, all right, I'm not gonna get into too much of, about it because I know it's based on books that were re- uh, young novel, young adult novels from 2001, I believe. So. It's around the time where Harry Potter's huge, so I get the influence. But as soon as it's funny, the movie starts, and I see this toolbox um, talking, and I'm like, oh, this guy looks like Hagrid. And as the movie progresses, it feels very Harry Potter-ish in terms of, you know, fairies, these creatures. But instead of world-building the way Harry Potter does... The movie takes place pretty much outside of the first maybe 25 minutes in a mansion. That's where everything takes place. So there's no world building. It's extremely cheesy CGI for the time. Like, I mean, it's 2020. It feels like this was spit out of 2001. So you know what I mean? It's not. It it was very, very bad. Josh Gad is just awful. Dame Judi Dench. First cat's now this. She needs to do something else. <laughs> it's, she's had a rough few months with these choices. And Josh Guy, like I mentioned, he's awful as always. Um, <laughs> next up, I saw, and I'm shocked that I saw it because I, I'm not. I'm just not a fan of Pete Davidson, <laughs> not at all. Uh, but I saw King of Staten Island. It was originally supposed to play at Tribeca. Uh, surprisingly, really, really good. It's really deep. Uh, it's about pretty much his troubles his tragedies and he is really good in it i highly suggest i highly recommend it the only problem is a judd apatow film it's way too long you could cut like 30 40 minutes from there but every judd apatow film he just doesn't he doesn't learn his lesson and every movie has to be two and a half hours um it's really it's really solid work probably the best probably the best performance he'll ever have because i'm not really a big davidson fan i don't like really anything he does uh surprisingly it's a movie i think jenny will really like when she sees it i didn't think it would be a jenny movie but watching i'm like oh this is a jenny I movie she probably won't watch it because i actually really don't like him yeah he's <laughs> i don't he, yeah, yeah, i don't same. draw anything to him and i will have seen some movies where he's been like you know like a background actor in there like and whatever but i don't know just something about him doesn't really throw me i know what his story is and i know that this is somewhat semi semi yeah biographical and um you know so that i do know but he's just never he's not that in that move in the movie yeah he's not a, it's not a comedy at all it's more, no it's definitely a dramedy he's there's some funny moments but um yeah so but i do like judd apatow so i don't know maybe it's yeah, one day when it comes out on Blu-ray, I got you. It's um, on Hulu, isn't it? No, yeah, 
it's yeah, it's on Hulu right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1999. Mm-hmm. So uh, next up is the movie that I think is now the front runner for best picture, even though it's June. Uh, the Five Bloods. Had, did, did you get a chance to? You hadn't get a chance to see it yet, right, Leo? No, I haven't seen it, but I, I, it's everyone's raving about it. Like, it is, yeah. It is so great. Uh, it's not really a war movie. I mean, it's a, it's pretty much a film. It's the Deer Hunter meets Treasures of Sierra Madre. It's a treasure hunt movie. Um, they're going back these these. Four Vietnam War vets are going back to find the remains of Chadwick Boseman's character, who is who died during the war. But along with looking for his remains, they are also looking for a treasure that they buried during the war. Oh. But what the film does really well, it it shows, it examines for these four guys that went different paths after the war, and Delroy Lindo is going to do very well this season he is his performance is incredible he's a maga hat wearing trump supporter who really the world spit him out after vietnam and he has different perspective and ideologies that the other guys have and you see that throughout the movie he's incredible incredible and you also show that just because the war ended 40 40 50 years ago it's not over for people in vietnam and it's not over for these guys because there's still PTSD. It's really strong. Social commentary is on par. There is an, a scene at the end, not a spoiler, where you have um, a Black Lives Matter protest. And someone asked Spike during an interview before the movie or prior to the movie dropping if that was uh, shot after. Because for Black Klansmen, he shot a lot of Trump stuff after the movie. Ah. For this, they asked him, did you do this with everything going on? And then Spike was like, no, this was always supposed to be a part of the movie. Jeez. Just shows what what the world we're in right now. But it's, I think it has a very good shot to, to win picture, a very good shot to win director and supporting actor. Screenplay should get a nom. Production design, cinematography. Cinematography is great because it's in three different aspect ratios. Um, when they're in the war, during the war... The aspect ratio is, I think, uh, four by three letterbox. Then it goes to sixteen by nine widescreen, and then they shoot through a handheld camera as well. Oh, that's dope! Yeah, so it's it's a very it can come off as very choppy, but I think that's the intention. So I it's it's one of his best. It's absolutely one of his best movies. And he's on a good roll. Black Klansman, this. I actually uh, wanted to finish up by saying I saw Malcolm X today, and Malcolm X is incredible. Incredible. Three and a half hours, but nice. it's really solid stuff. All right, so that brings us to our director breakdown for the week, and I'm excited for this one. We are looking... Is it Spike Lee? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think Jenny, even though she was on, listens to anything I say. Because I said last week that we will be covering Stanley Kubrick this week. Oh, yes, yes. That's right. So only 13 movies he directed in his entire career. Really? That's it? That's it. And that's how great he is that he made such an impact with all his 13 movies. So I'm just going to run through these. At the end, we'll ask, is he top five or not? Top five. Top five. Okay, I thought we were doing top ten, but top five, okay. I I, I guess because I, I, yeah. Okay. You could do top 10. I'll do top five for me. All right. So first film is Fear and Desire, 
I haven't seen it. So I haven't seen no, it. No, haven't seen it. Day of the Flight. Haven't seen that either. Have not nope. seen it. Uh, Flying Padre. Haven't nope. seen it. These the first two are documentary shorts. So and then the killing. Haven't seen it. No. Okay. So and Killer's Kiss. Haven't seen it. No. So to go back on the killing, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs is based on the killing. Oh shoot! Yeah. So if you watch the killing, a lot of aspects in terms of you have these people that are robbing a specific location, and little by little they all get you know killed off. It's it's pretty much Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. Next up, Paths of Glory. Haven't seen it. Nope. Great, but you own it. Great war film. Absolutely great war film. Spartacus. Yes. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. So are, are we? Do we love Sorry. Spartacus? I, I like it. I like it yes. a lot. I'm, Same I'm, here. I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, ancient Rome, me, ancient me, Greece me too. dude. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I like it a lot. It's funny because it's around the Ben Hur time. So I, yes. when I was younger, I always had a hard time. I'm like, which one's which? But Absolutely. Yeah, Spartacus is great. I haven't seen Ben Hur either. Oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> His most controversial Sorry. film in terms of subject matter for the 1960s, Lolita. Ooh, never seen it. Heard all about it though. I saw it the other day in the living room when Dave was watching it. It is so good. But I've read the book. So I, to be fair. So to be to for anyone that doesn't know, Lolita, it's basically about a college professor who falls in love with in the book she's twelve, in the movie she's fourteen. So she falls in love with uh with Natalie Portman. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> no, no. no, remember like in Leon the Professional? Oh I, yes, like, yes, yes. So pretty much is that reverse it. Um exactly. yeah. So he falls in love with her and he takes a job and, and housing from her mother, marries her mother to get close to her. Yeah. The what I like about the movie so much is that I'm I'm glad it was released in the 60s because he had to keep himself restrained. I don't want to see an old man kissing a little girl, but he does have subtle ways to show that they are sleeping together and have a relationship. So that works really well. Um, the ending is ridiculously nuts. Like how everything turns out, it, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, Kubrick has gone on to say if he knew the restrictions he would have, he would have never made the movie. But I think the restrictions he had made the movie even better. And a movie that he regrets making still got him an Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. Next up, Dr. Strangelove. I've seen it. <laughs> You've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I'm shocked you've seen Doctor Strange Love. Uh, it's not in a film class. Leo, have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's but, a uh, it's a political yeah. satire. It's pretty much like Failsafe, the Cindy Cindy Lamont movie. You should say the whole movie. Right, that's name. too long. Doctor Strange yeah. Love. Doctor Strange Love, Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying Worrying and Love the Bomb. It is ridiculously hilarious. It's very very funny. It's it's not everyone's type of comedy, but it's. For anyone that likes political satires, it's really great stuff. And it's actually tied for his highest rank ra- uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes with The Killing. Both are 98%. Next up, the movie I wanted to talk about. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, Leo, you saw it for yeah, the first time and you did not see it high. So how do you feel? <laughs> 
yeah, no, no, I'm not not a big fan of the ganja. So I saw it completely sober. Is it a uh, movie you watch high though? There's there's some psychedelic scenes. There are some definitely psychedelic scenes, but I think more more than anything, it's like the very uh, existential type commentary that the movie makes. I can imagine lends itself to that kind of a of a viewing. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I um, there's a lot of deep stuff in it. Um, it's a lot of uh, I, I honestly I, what blew me away was just the 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 time that this movie was filmed and its views on what the future and space travel would be. He nailed it. Or like on it's funny because Jenny, I remember when you when you recommended for me to watch um uh um Fahrenheit four fifty one. Um, I came back with a similar similar um, review on it where I'm like, oh yeah, it's pretty crazy how like how close they came to what the future looks like. Um, and I know that Ray Bradbury also was a fan of how um, how Kubrick made the future look in this one uh, because it was it, it just it just hit on so many points. I I was like live tweeting it with David and I was like, wait. They're, they're, mentioning, they're mentioning like um like the Howard Johnson. They're mentioning yeah. like uh, like uh I guess the video phones. I was like, this is pretty like right on cue. Yeah, and I think it. I mean, for me, the movie's always the reason I love it. The reason it's my number one Kubrick movie, and I love Star Wars more. But I think two thousand one is the best sci fi movie ever made because every time you watch it, you're thinking something differently. I mean, it touches on human evolution. That's pretty much what I think the movie's about. And you notice that every time there is a sense of evolution, of human evolution, the monolith appears. Mm -hmm. Hence, the first time that the apes used a weapon at the beginning of the movie is the first time you see the monolith. So I've come to the conclusion, or there's so many theories about this movie, that the monolith is nature. The monolith is evolution. It's pretty much a, a, a signifying that no matter how evolved we are, they're always going to have a step up on us. And that's why I think the monolith always appears after steps were made in evolution. That's kind of where I, I stand on it. It's kind of, you know, it's one of those movies that it, you have to watch it multiple times in order to at least get up some theories about it i'm glad you liked it i know it's it's a tough sit especially the first 25 minutes have no dialogue and then when he touches when david touches the monolith it goes into this acid trip black hole and what did you you made a good joke what was it the quantum yeah, realm? yeah it felt it felt like back in um in ant-man um or in doctor strange whenever like uh in ant-man it's when he first went into the quantum realm where you have like that very psychedelic trip of like him shrinking and going through that like vast space, um, and then Doctor Strange is when he goes travel to go, uh, I guess, talk to Dormammu. Yep. And I'm like, well, this is very like, huh? I guess uh, he's again the, the character's name is Dave. I'm like, Dave's going in the quantum realm right now. It's um, it's funny with Kubrick, and once uh, once I finish this, I'll I'll keep going with Kubrick. His movies are the types of movies that have aged well over time. Uh, with 2001. I think over 200 people that work for the studio walked out on the movie during the screening because they thought they didn't understand it. Yeah. The movie ends up making $146 million at the box office, and now it's considered one of the a masterpiece. So I can't say I recommend it to everybody, but if you're into like a really incredible experience and thought-provoking experience, definitely watch 2001. Next up, A Clockwork Orange. Excellent. Oh. 
freaking it's, love it. It's excellent. Yeah. There's nothing else to say. Jenny, you've seen A Clockwork Orange. I've seen it. I've also read the book. Thoughts? I love the book. And I like the movie. And I like um, Malcolm McDowell. Singing in the Rain has never been used in a more chaotic way. <laughs> Fun fact, David Prowse, the bodyguard or the, the of the guy that the they go. The little rape scene is a little Yeah, intense. it's actually yeah. in that scene. The rape scene. Really like. The rape scene in, at the beginning of the movie with the singing in the rain scene. Uh, the bodyguard, I don't know what he is, uh, the ward. That's David Prowse who plays Darth Vader in Star Wars. So that's a dope uh, little Easter egg. Next up is Barry Lyndon. Never seen it. Never seen it. Don't care to see it. I've I've been told that I have to see it since Kubrick is one of my favorite directors. I I watched a Shining documentary where they say Barry Lyndon is a work from a bored genius because the movie is said to be one of the most boring movies ever released. Oh, but it's still ninety six percent on RT. So and it's Martin Scorsese's favorite movie. Holy crap, wow. So, uh, next up, a little movie called The Shining. Tiny little indie film. A little indie film. <laughs> I've seen it. And? And? What do you think? It's great. And Leo, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, I will say this is like number two best horror movie in yep. my life. My yeah. number three. I mean, you're, you're, we're right up there. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, love it. My favorite Vietnam War movie. It's incredible. It's like two movies. It's You're getting two movies. You're getting 45 minutes of them on base. And you get the last 50 minutes of the actual war. So it splits it up really well. I've seen it. And I think it's the only war movie I like. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't finished Saving Private Ryan. She's not going to like yeah. it. She's not going to like it. She didn't like mm. 1917, which is a nice hour and 40 minutes. It's not that I didn't like it. But guys, like, I don't think you hear me when i say i don't i'm not into war movies war movies i feel like to me are more of a guy movie thing you guys like things that explode and whatever and the most explosion i like are things like in fast and the furious so like they're just it's different i'm just not into war movies that way so they'll never be my favorites no matter how much you try david speaking of (laughs) no i've given up that's why i watched the five blood by myself yeah like Um, it just doesn't interest me and then you know then we have kubrick's last movie which is 12 years later so the reason that it was 12 years later is because after full metal jacket he started planning making a holocaust movie after schindler's list kubrick just said no no one's gonna top this and so i'm not even gonna bother so he decided to scrap that and then we got his last movie eyes wide shut which is you just saw for the first time didn't you i think it i already it's already in my top 10 of his and I think it's his most underrated movie. It is. It makes you think a lot. It's not about. It's not as sexual as everyone no. made it out to be. No. Yeah, there no. is an orgy in there. Yeah, cool. But like, that's not what the movie's about. I, it's. I actually think, and I told told Jen about this. It's very poignant with everything that went on with Harvey Weinstein. I feel like it's about the rich using sex as a tool, and also about marriage. And yep. So I mean, it it's the score is really great. It sucks that he passed away; and he was never able to see the f- full final cut. But the studio edited some stuff, and Jenny even mentioned it. Oh, she's like Kubrick would not have let that happen, right? Like if he had been alive, they wouldn't. So they we realized like when we dug in a little bit more that they edited 
um for the theatrical release but the cut that we saw was I, the, actually the, the yeah cut so that the he cut did. that we saw was cooper's cut i was cut. like this was not censored i was like you see these people doing it so the orgy was censored for the theatrical release which makes sense because i think they were trying to battle the whole nc-17 mm-hmm. rating i think right it's um probably tom cruise and nicole kidman's best film together I guess I found her acting to be a little, but I think she's gotten better, but I will say I wasn't really like, I wasn't digging her acting in this. She wouldn't ask She The only reason she's in this movie is because she was married to Tom Cruise at the time. Ironically. We know that that's the fact. By the end of the movie, their marriage is basically, you know, we're just going to be together. Well, they weathered, struggle, they yeah. survived what they went through. They and didn't his... survive two years later because their marriage ended in 2001. Oh, well, that's their real life. That's a different it's story. Just ironic. There were a lot it's of issues ironic. back yeah. there and Scientology. That's just a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's solid stuff. Um, I'm glad I didn't get any backlash when I ranked them and I put this over Dr. Strange, uh, uh, Dr. Strange Love. So, but yeah, Kubrick, he's my number three all time. <laughs> Jenny hasn't seen enough, I think, to rank. No, um, I don't know. I don't know that I would put him in my top, personally. I do like some of his movies. I will say out of the two that I like the most are The Shining and Full Metal Jacket. He made you like a war movie. That should get credit for top three. Yeah, but but not, I don't know, not for me. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock is towards my top. Um, Frank Capra is towards my top. Um, there's there's other people that I can think of that are a little bit higher for me. And Leo, um, is he top ten for you? Oh, that's the last thing. Playing is absolutely safe. I think it's undeniable he's top ten. Okay, right? I think that's the easy thing. I think top five. Yeah, I guess the only reason I wouldn't say top five is I don't know if I would bring myself to say like, oh, there's a let's say that he hadn't passed away. Oh, there's a new uh, a new Kubrick movie going out. Like, I don't know if that's enough of a draw for me to be mm-hmm. like, I want to go see it. But talent wise, absolutely, definitely, I would say, yeah, he's he's my three. I think I've said this on here. Uh, Hitchcock is one. Uh, Scorsese's two. Kubrick three. Billy Wilder's four, and then QT or Spielberg is five for me. That's yeah, I think it, that's I think I'm in at. my. I think in my fives would probably be Burton, Nolan, uh, Spielberg, uh, Scorsese, and I guess I mean Dick Kubrick's top hits are freaking awesome though. Yeah, when he hits home runs, he's hitting grand slams, not home runs. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So, all right, so that wraps up our director breakdown this week. I th- I think I should challenge you guys more next week and do Alfred Hitchcock. But we may be here an hour because he has about <laughs> 75 movies. Uh, so you, you have to tune in next week to see who we go to. So let's go into our top 10 remakes better than the original and top 10 worst remakes. So we're going to start off with our worst remakes. How hard was this for you guys, Jen? I actually found it. Well, no, you're right. I I found this list a little. Well. I guess this would be the list that you would find a lot. Like, it should be so easy to just, like, pinpoint worst remakes. But I actually found this list a little harder to make than my um, best remakes list for some reason. Um, So I had to, like, really dig a little deeper. All right, cool. And then, Leo, was it hard for you? 
So actually, I had an easier time with the with the worst list, um, and I and I found myself that on the worst list, I definitely had seen the original and the remake more. Um, yeah. So Ryan, I Ryan did send me his list, but I think he went with reboots over remakes here because some of these are reboots. So I I'm gonna go through his worst. I some of these I haven't seen. Heartbreak Kid. I don't know what that is. Oh, that is a remake. He's right. I saw that on my research about that. That's the, uh, It's an Adam Sandler remake off of another an older movie. Gotcha. The Longest Yard, I agree with him. That movie's not good. Ooh, yeah. The original's really good, though. Arthur. Ooh. Uh, the Karate Kid. Good, man. Get ready to yeah. hear my mouth on that in a few minutes. Uh, the Mummy. Ah, nice. Which Night- one? 2017. Okay. The Ni- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. 2010. Oh, it actually made his list? Yeah, oh, it's a high on my my friend. I have a lot to say. Um Ghostbusters, this is where I told I I That's I, a reboot. Yeah, that's yeah. a reboot. The Lion King, that's a remake. That's a remake. Good. I had that on my list. Hellboy, that's a reboot. That's a reboot. And Fanforstick is a reboot. So, oh wait, hold on. Is Hellboy a reboot? Cuz the the Is it I I mean I can't say. I thought I assumed it was a reboot. I haven't seen the 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 David Harbor one. I assumed it was just a reboot. It wasn't the same exact movie. Because yeah, I didn't see the Harbor version of it. And I think, well, you know what? I guess without seeing it, we really don't yeah, know. Yeah, we can't really talk. All right, cool. So, Jen, give us your 10 through 2. For 10 wor- through 2? For worse remakes. Okay. So, my number 10 is The Heartbreak Kid. Oh, you from know 2007. it too? What? You know that movie too. Yeah. I'm the only one that didn't know that. Oh yeah, no. I've watched the I've watched the original, which I think it was late seventies. I can't remember the year now, but um, but the the version I'm talking about is the Ben Stiller, Malin Ackerman version, mm-hmm. and not so great, not good at all. So that's my number ten. Number nine is Fantastic Four 2015. That's a reboot. That's a reboot. It's not a remake. You consider that a reboot, not a remake? It's not the same exact movie from 2005. Hmm. All right, yeah, well, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I had the same problem, Jenny. It like, stays I, at number yeah. nine because I got nothing else. Number eight, <laughs> Planet of the Apes 2001. So do you consider this oh, a reboot yes. or a remake? No, that's a remake. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, my number seven is Poltergeist 2015. I thought you liked that movie. I love the original Poltergeist. It doesn't make it a bad remake. Yeah, but when you have a great original, then I get Then need? Halloween better be on that list. Go ahead. Oh, well, I hate Rob. Oh, you're right. I do hate Rob Zombie. Okay. Halloween Rob Zombie replaces Fantastic Four 2015. (laughs) Number six, When a Stranger Calls 2006. The original is better. It's more suspenseful. Um, Number five, Friday the 13th 2009. You don't need another Friday the 13th. My number four is The Women 2008. What's, What's The Women? The Women um, it's a great, well, okay, so the 1939 movie had tons of A-list actresses, if you look it up. Um, classic movie. All women in the movie. There's not a single man in the movie. And then the version that I'm talking about is one with um, Annette Benning, Meg Ryan. It was not very good. Eva Mendez is in it, and she plays, like, the woman that Meg Ryan's husband is having an affair with. Uh, 
Not great. Number three is The Omen, 2006, with Julia Stiles. <laughs> that movie sucks. That movie was <laughs> terrible. Um, and then my number two, I forgot the year now, but Carrie with Chloe Moretz. Yeah. Not great. That's not... I mean... Like good well, effort, I guess, to modernize it for maybe a newer generation. But the classic is all you need. For sure. Leo, go ahead. All right, so ten through two, right? Yes. All right, honorable mentions are Karate Kid <laughs> and uh Class of the Titans two thousand ten. Oh, that's what they tried to make this guy a thing. That that's yeah. Sam Worthington, right? Exactly. Oh. Exactly. And, and and the cast was pretty spot on like it had really good actors that movie was and like so they had access to so much freaking technology to make the cgi look good but no it just sucked um but no uh, my number 10 red dawn 2012 um what? is that the remake of that patrick swayze movie bingo okay yes. yeah so like the original made sense and the original it was like the russians took over the small town and infiltrated and like the kids like um band together to kind of fight them off uh, because the russians really aren't a thing in 2012 anymore they changed it to north korea and it just it just, <laughs> it, just, it, just, it, just it just took like all like this is it just it just wasn't necessary even with chris hemsworth this movie was terrible um my number nine is a nightmare on elm street 2010 um <laughs> I'm not a big horror fan, but I am a diehard Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Krueger fan. And although this movie did do some things well, which I will say, like there was really cool visuals of like the between dream world and like, real and reality. Um, it just it kind of focused, I think, too heavily on like the the pedophile part of it, um, and it just made the movie a little like just tough. Um, my number. Leo, you broke up there. Oh, my number eight is Fame. Uh, so I've never seen the original, but I heard the remake is terrible, too. Yeah, the original is so classic. Jenny, did you ever see Fame? I actually haven't seen Fame, but I do know the soundtrack well. Um, but I that's kind of one of those movies that, like, for me, even though I haven't seen it, I know that how good it was and how, like, classic and how essential it is. Yeah. That, like, why would you... Again, why would you touch it again? But right, you want to bring in a new generation, but it doesn't. Sometimes it just doesn't work the same. It just it doesn't yep. mesh well. I agree. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's very iconic. Um, I, I grew up in a uh, fine and performing arts kind of thing, so like putting on like dance performances like was like a thing for me. And I remember like just the the, the original was just like iconic, and the remake was just it just didn't hit. Uh, my number six is a movie you mentioned that you haven't seen the original or I guess the the remake either, and I didn't even know it existed. Um, ben Hur, 2016. Oh yeah. Oh Leo, you you already got one of mine. Oh wow, yeah. I, I actually, it's actually my number ten, so I'll preface that just if I actually I didn't want to see it, but Jenny and I went away to her cousin's in Virginia, or was it North Carolina? Virginia. Virginia, and there was nothing to watch, so I put it on. Oh, Leo, go ahead. I, oh. I'm sure you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no. I mean, like, I love. Although this is a little bit of a spoiler, uh, I love the original, which is also a remake. Um, but uh, but yeah, this one was just. It, they tried making it into something that it's not. Um, my number five is a movie that. It wasn't as terrible. It just. It just took off something that I was really, really fond of. But number five is Lion King 2019. I'm glad that 
everyone <laughs> doesn't like the Lion King like me. I remember so, when it came out, so that, I got so a lot he, of black for it. So here's the thing. I'm not, I, I never really said I hated the movie. However, they took out my favorite song. Yeah. So I'm like, have had had they just kept that song, this movie, this song, this probably wouldn't even make it. It wouldn't have made this list. I would be way more pro this movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, they, they take out. Be prepared. I'm out. Uh, my number four, RoboCop 2014. Oh, you can't put a Michael Keaton movie on a worst list. I'm sad. <laughs> I know he's America's treasure, but. Uh, but yeah, it just it just wasn't the same. No, it wasn't. Uh, You're right. Hundred percent agree. Um, number three, Total Recall, 2012. Um, despite some really dope visuals because of the technology and like the graphics are allowed allowed to it, it just I don't know. I for some reason the the Schwarzenegger version just seemed more realistic. And uh, and my number two is Point Break. 2015. Oh, Jenny actually oh. just says she wants to watch I the original. I did. Because I wanted to see it. I've never seen the original. And I mean, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, hot. Oh, yeah. And like also directed by a woman. So, but David doesn't own it. So we can't watch it yet. Yep. Definitely recommend the original. It's got, it's surprisingly got a lot of like, uh, it's, it's action, right? It's 90s action. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, but it's got a really cool plot, really cool characters. And then the remake just kind of makes it into like an adrenaline footage uh, focus. And it takes off like any character development whatsoever, which is like, at that point, just watch highlights on YouTube. Awful. Alrighty. So I have two honorable mentions here, The Lion King and The Fog. I wanted to really try to stay away from horror because there's so many bad horror remakes, but unfortunately there are three on this list. Uh, number ten, Ben Hur, like I mentioned before, uh, it's just awful. It is, it's one of the best Oscar winners of all time, and then it's this is the equivalent if they would make remake The Godfather. It's a prestige Oscar winner, and it's awful. This remake. Number nine is the Kung Fu Kid. Um, the reason I say the Kung Fu Kid is because there is no karate in this version of the movie. It is not good. It is not good at all. So the Kung Fu Kid is my number nine. My number eight is actually very new. Black Christmas 2019. This is the second time it's been remade. It's one of the worst movies of the year. It's... um. I'm all for yay women, but the way the movie approached it is really, really poor. My number seven is The Mummy, Tom Cruise 2017 version. The reason I remember this so well is actually Jenny was going on a trip, so we went to see it the morning before she left, and I thought we were actually going to a good movie, and it was god-awful. My number six is Godzilla, 1998, Matthew Broderick. So I took it off my list literally before we started recording because I think is that more reboot than remake? Um, I, I don't know. That was a tough one. But I, I agree with you. I, I can go go on and and spit spit vile because that movie was terrible. <laughs> it's funny because in um they ended up putting it in the uh foreign Godzilla franchise that version of Godzilla and they killed him in a two thousand version. <laughs> So it's it's pretty funny, and he looks more like I don't even know. It, it, it looks like a glorified T Rex more exactly. than anything. Exactly. I feel like the studio just wanted to make like Jurassic Park light, and it confused us for some reason. I will say this: I do like to see an MSG. 
I, I, I will say I do like that. Next up, I'm surprised he's not on Jenny's list. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. The 2015-2016 Fox remake of it. The TV Wait, movie? Remake? Yes. You mean that? Yeah. I didn't consider that because it's a TV movie. I figured it's still a remake. It's it's um, not it's not good. None of the characters are in, as endearing as. Put the it original. as an honorable mention, but I didn't count anything TV wise because I was like, like I oh, could have yeah. I could have done Bewitched, like the Bewitched movie with again uh, Nicole Kidman and Will Ferrell, or all those live actions on Fox. Yeah. All those yeah. are probably in there too. So I just I don't know because it's so near and dear to Jenny and I. It just doesn't work. And you can't replace Tim Curry. That's it. That's an iconic character. Similar to another movie on my list. Next up is Stephen King's The Shining, the TV movie from 1997. Yes, it's truer to the book, but the movie is terrible. Have you seen the... I haven't, but it's I saw that. Awful. It was on a lot of people's It's lists. so bad. Next up. Planet of the Apes, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah that was I mine. That. Yeah. It is just god-awful. And Charlton Heston's in it. He plays one of the apes. It, it, good nod, but it's just awful. They go back, and it ends in a similar fashion, but he travels back to D.C., and D.C. Mm-hmm. is it's just ridiculous. Number two, A Nightmare in Elm Street 2010. Uh, Rooney Mara has gone on to say that she almost quit acting because of this movie. Why did she make this movie? Because like it seemed like she just didn't want to be a part of the project. Yeah, she actually, I think in an interview, she's gone on and said that she tried so hard not to get the role, but she knew she got it after her audition. It, my thing is, you said you like some of the effects. I happen to hate every single effect in the movie. One of the most iconic shots, and you love the original as much as I do, and I'm sure Jenny does too, is when Nancy's sleeping and he yes. goes over. Uh, yes. Robert, That's all practical effects. Yes. The way it was used in this movie is awful with the CGI. It is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in a movie that is pa- is past 2010. It is awful. And everyone and I understand like you have this guy that's, you know, killing people off, but everyone is so sad the entire fucking movie even before they knew Freddy existed. It yeah. is, there is not one se- I feel like I was watching a Zack Snyder movie. Like, I, I'm good. I don't need that. And then I'll just kick off my number one. I hope it's everyone's number one. Psycho. 1998 Psycho is number It's my one. number one. It is the worst remake of all time because it is similar to Lion King, a shot-for-shot remake of Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece. And there's nothing endearing about it, nothing good about it. I love my boy Vince Vaughn, but... He is terrible in it. Everything well, it, it, it's shot for shot, except for the addition of masturbation. Wouldn't it? Wait, Dad, I haven't. Are you sure? With the yeah, pe- when he's like looking, isn't he? Ju- he just looks through the people. Oh, so when they they added, so you could tell there they added that little caveat to it for no freaking reason. Oh, I'm uh, gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch it just to see where that is. It's through the people scene, right? Through the people, yeah. Through the people in the shower scene, yeah. Oh my god, yeah that that movie, and it's crazy that it's done by Gus Van Zandt after Goodwill Hunts, Goodwill Hunting. That that's his choice. We're gonna we're gonna remake Shot for Shot Psycho. So yeah, that's my worst remake of all time. Leo, what's your worst? Uh, so Psycho's not number one. Uh, I, I guess I must have cut out. Uh, Psycho is actually my number seven. Okay. Um, my number one is Planet of the Apes. Uh, <laughs> 
and, and it's funny because it's like that's it's like we when we went over the the, the the director review like Burton at his best is awesome. This is Burton at his worst. Worse. So bad. <laughs> yeah, this movie just had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. The makeup was horrible. The script sucked. The uh, the actors weren't good. It was just uh, yeah no. Uh, that, to me, it just felt it felt like it. It's like the, a dark stain on what the original trilogy was, and then like it made everyone look forward to the new remakes, which is one of the best trilogies of all time. Which is Absolutely. crazy. All right, you said Psycho, right? Psycho, yeah. Anything you want to add? No, it was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, this is, again, one of those movies that used to always be on TV, oddly enough. And then I watched it and I was just like, I, I, don't, I don't dig. I didn't dig. This is actually, I'm going to say that I think this was likely one of my first Vince Vaughn movies, I think. It was my first Vince Vaughn um, movie. I'm definitely my first Anne Heche movie, but just wasn't good. Just bad. Just bad. Um, ironically, I, the first time I saw Psycho 1960 was the first time I saw Psycho 1998 on the same day because they used they played them back to back on pay per view. Oh wow! Yeah, so I saw greatness and I saw that. Uh, so Jen, kick us off with your best remakes better than the original. Okay, remakes better than the original. Let's see. So my. I have two honorable mentions. So I have Pet Cemetery. Really? The recent one. You think yeah. it's better than the original? I enjoyed it more than the original. Oh, man. I thought it was really good, though. That's, that's a tough sell. I don't know. That's me. <laughs> this other one's going to be a tough sell for you, too. But I don't know. Again, this is a movie that I watched a lot, and I guess that's why I also enjoyed don't it. Give me the, don't give me the prelog. Just break my All heart. Right. The, hou- <laughs> the House on Haunted Hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which someone could actually put this on the worst remakes list, but for me, that movie's so it's not garbage. horrible. It's but when you compare garbage. it to the original, they're two different kind of movies. <laughs> yeah, and, one's good, one's bad. Eh. Um. All right. So my number ten, The Wizard of Oz. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that realized that's a remake. My number nine, The Maltese. I'm going through the up, Maltese Falcon. Wait, am I going up to five? To two. Two. The, the Maltese, Maltese Falcon, Falcon is a remake with Humphrey Bogart is a remake. Ah, so that is the it. one I, I have know that put was, on here. Yeah, I didn't know that was a remake. My number eight is Scarface. That's so low. My number seven is The Fly. Yes. My number six is The Thing. That's so low too. Eh. No, number five is The Man Who Knew Too Much, 1956 with Jimmy Stewart. My number four is Ocean's Eleven, George Clooney nice. and The Boys. My number three because this is a nostalgic movie for me, A Little Princess, 1995 version. You know who directed Aww. that? It's great. No, who directed it? I believe is Afonso Cuaron. Oh, really? A Love Little it. Princess or just? No, it's A Little Princess. It's based off the book, and then there were other versions of it. But this was, like, I think the best iteration. Go ahead and This is, like, I a big thing. Like, I remember buying the VHS and a locket was um, included as a gift when you bought the VHS. And it was, like, the same lock, gold locket that, like, she has in the movie. It was a very good marketing thing. Yes. Anyway, I have that uh, locket somewhere Al- Alfonso Cuaron directed that. <laughs> uh, my number two is A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Oh, so... I really enjoyed it, but to be fair, I haven't really seen the other ones, and I'm sure Judy Garland is fantastic, but for me, I'm going with this one because I can. I felt like it was a little more relatable for me in the present time. All right, Leo, go ahead. Nice. Uh, okay, honorable mentions are Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan one. 
Oh, that's great. Uh, that's great. Uh, Jungle Book 2016. Oh, that's another solid one. And uh, Insomnia 2002. Solid. Uh, but my number 10, True Lies, 1994, yes. a remake of uh, La Totale in 91. Nice. I guess uh, my number nine, The Ten Commandments. That's a remake? Yeah, yeah. Of a, a remake of The Ten Commandments in 1923. <laughs> How original. Yeah, in 1923 it was the original. Uh, my number eight, Ocean's Eleven, yes. 2001, a remake of the 1960. Uh, my number seven, Scarface, 1983, which remade it from 1932. Uh, my number six, and I guess this was a little. I guess that I guess I think you guys will count it. Um, it chapters one and two. Yep. Oh, you I count was, you count them both together. Okay. Yeah, count them together as a remake of the 1990s miniseries. Okay. Um, my number five, Homeward Bound, the oh incredible, incredible journey. journey. <laughs> what the hell is that a remake of? It's so I <laughs> when I was doing research for this list, I came across that 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 is a remake. Um, but I didn't realize that. But I that was another childhood movie that I used to watch all the time. Absolutely. I love Chance. Chance yeah. is like the greatest. I was a Sally fan. All right. Go, go ahead, Leo. Oh, yeah. It was a remake of uh, Incredible Journey in 1963. Oh, no. uh, my number four, The Wizard of Oz, 1939. Um, remake of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in 25. Uh, and my number three, A Star is Born. I also chose the uh, Lady Gaga version with Bradley Cooper. Okay. And, and number my, two. Number two, my number two, which I didn't know was a remake, but once I found out it was a remake, I had to put it in the list. Uh, Ben-Hur, 1959. Nice. A oh, remake yeah. of, um, it's a silent film, Tale of the Christ in 1925. Awesome. So for me, I went, I have two honorable mentions. I have The Hills Have Eyes. I don't know if you got it's a remake of a Wes Craven film. Oh. Hills of Eyes is fantastic. Uh, next up, I have The Man Who Knew Too Much remake of the 1927, 28 Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh, the remake is also directed by Alfred Hitchcock uh, with Jimmy Stewart. It's fantastic. Highly, highly recommend it. My number 10 is A Star is Born 1954. So that's the one with Judy Garland. I think right. it's the best version of it. It's the best performance out of all the four of them. Uh, it's a remake of the 1930-39 movie. Uh, my number nine is It. So I went a little differently. I just put the 2017. Okay. So, But I get what you mean. It's the full, the full aspect of it. But if we're going one individual movie, It 2017, I think it's better than the Tim Curry 1990. My number eight is Casino Royale. Uh, 2006 remake of the titled Casino Royale. Uh, <laughs> next up, my number seven is The Birdcage, a remake nice. of La Caja Full. Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? Yeah, La Caja Full. La Caja Full. Uh, number six is Heat. It is a remake of L.A. Takedown. C- can I tell you my favorite part of that movie? We know oh. your favorite part. Can I say, can, <laughs> What's your favorite part, David? I, I have volume. a few. Turn down the volume. Turn down the volume. Yeah, turn yeah. down the volume turn now. Turn down the volume now. So I have two. I, um, Give me all you got! Give me all you got! And then um, tell me. Go ahead. What's your second one? Because <laughs> she's got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> it is he the, practices this nightly yes i do this nightly before i go to bed mm-hmm. 
Um, yes, every time I walk in the bedroom while Jenny's playing Animal Crossing, I say, Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Um, so yeah, so oh, uh, I love Heat. Heat is so great. Uh, number five is The Fly, a remake of The Fly. Uh, I've <laughs> watching both is so, I mean, it is of the time. It's just, yeah, the effects in the 50s are obviously a little bit different than what Cronenberg did with, uh, with, uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. Such gross. So great. Number four, Scarface. I will say my favorite of these is Scarface, but I'm, in terms of bet the best out of the out of these, it's not Scarface. Uh remake of the nineteen thirty two Scarface, which is also a very good movie. Uh number three, The Wizard of Oz, remake of the nineteen twenty five, The Wizard of Oz. Nice. Number two is The Thing, remake of The Thing. <laughs> uh it is the best practical effects of the nineteen eighties. Hands down. Best makeup, best practical effects. It's incredible stuff. Probably John Carpenter's second best film after Halloween. And then I will kick it off with my number one. I think Leo and I may have the same number one. The Departed. Yeah. I was waiting for you. I was like, he hasn't said Departed yet. I feel like it's coming. Remake of the Infernal Affairs from 2002. Leo, always on top. It is one of those movies that Marty won the Oscar because... It's a career Oscar, but it's also deserved. It was the best movie of 2006. It is incredible performances across the board. Even Mark Wahlberg is pretty solid in it. Leo's incredible in it. Matt Damon is probably the best of his career. Everything about The Departed is fantastic. Jack Nicholson as the mob boss. Everything about it is incredible. And yeah, that's my number one. Leo, what's your number one? Dude, exactly. Yeah, The Departed. Uh, again, I mean, I, I went to it not knowing that there was a remake. I also didn't know that the remake had, like, if the original had come out so recently, yeah. too. It was only 2002. Um, but I just loved the movie. Like, in my opinion, I think that was, that should have been Leo's first Oscar. Um, so, fun fact. Uh, I love when I can give you my Oscar tidbits. He went lead for Blood Diamond, and he also went lead for The Departed. I think if he would have gotten su- gone supporting, which he is a supporting character in that movie, it's an ensemble. No one should have gone lead. If he would have went supporting, he would have won. I feel very strongly that he would have won supporting. Okay, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. It's yeah. the whole. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. He can no way in hell he can go supporting. <laughs> not so, for his first. <laughs> yeah, not for his first. Now I think if he ever wins another one, which I think he will, um, he can go supporting without a problem. It's like the Tom Hanks thing. No one ever said Tom Hanks could ever go supporting, and he went supporting last year. So, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I I, I love the Departed. Everything you everything you said, I just loved everything about it. I think that uh, Scorsese just destroyed it. He did amazing. He did great work in it. Um, I love the call out that you had for Wahlberg because yeah, even Wahlberg does really good work. Uh, but yeah, that's that's also my number one, uh, the Departed. Go ahead, Jenny. My number one is the Birdcage. You didn't have the Departed on your list. I didn't. I didn't have Leo on my list. I'm sorry, Leo. Travesty. Forgive me. Like cause you're full. Um. <laughs> yes. So the Birdcage, so good. I mean, we saw the French. I mean, I had seen the French version before. I showed Dave the French version, but the Birdcage. I mean, it's the exact same story, but obviously it's in America. Better. And um, 
they just do such a good job. It's probably uh, probably one of my favorite Robin Williams movies. Nathan Lane is perfect in it. Like his, their comedic timing for both of them is is fantastic. The whole movie is really good. I think it's a solid. Um, has a solid cast. It's just it's a good movie. Awesome. So that wraps it up for this week. Oh wait, what was Ryan's number one again? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Let's finish off with Ryan. So Ryan broke my heart on this list. I yelled at him already. That's why, probably why you forgot this. Now. So his best re- remakes better than the originals. Mr. Deeds. The Adam Sandler one? Yeah. Okay. And here's where he breaks my heart. And I don't think... He, I, I I don't know. Where, maybe it's the moving. Uh, Aladdin. Well, he liked, the, he liked the remake more than the original? Yeah, that, he broke my heart there. I, I'm just going to blame that he was moving. That's all I can say here. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, I can't. The Zack Snyder one is solid, but I don't think it's better than the original. Uh, he put Child's Play? Wow. Uh, they're both good. I think they're both equally good. And it may be a travesty, maybe blasphemy for, to, to hear from, you know, that I say that, but I think they're both equally solid. Solid. Uh, Ocean's Eleven? Mm hmm. A Star is Born, I assume it's probably the, newer the new one. one. Yeah. The Ring, which okay. I forgot about The Ring. The Ring is That's a, good, a good honorable mention. Heat. Heat. Good man. The Departed mm-hmm. and Scarface. Number one. Number one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Good Good list. Aladdin, I, I, I'm, I love you, Ryan, but no. And Ryan, you're going to hear this again next week. Yeah, I'll remind you how much a, the worry. remake is not better than the original. You'll hear it on the episode and then again next awesome. week when we record. All right, guys. So that wraps everything up for this week. Stay safe and see you at the movies.